you'll go ahead and find your place to the last chapter of the last book in the Bible. Yes, we're uh, going to look one more time uh, at the subject of the, the second coming of Christ, but perhaps in a different way because we're moving into a new series today. A series, as uh, Pastor Ben has mentioned, called The Call. But Revelation chapter 22, uh, verse 17, let's stand as we look at this one verse. The invitation that you just heard in song, we're going to see in the Word of God. An invitation for all of us to simply come. Reading from the Holman Christian Standard, it says, Both the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. Anyone who hears should say, Come. And the one who is thirsty should come, and whoever desires should take the living water as a gift. Father, we thank you for the free gift of eternal life, the invitation that we all have before us this morning to come home. I pray now that the Spirit of God, who has already begun to work even in song, will continue your work in our lives, calling us home. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Many of you have heard the story before about the fellow who was visiting several churches across the nation to find out what church life was all about. And he, he enters into a church somewhere in, on the West Coast in California. Of all the churches he visited, this one particular church had a telephone that uh, simply had a, a plaque underneath that said, Calls to heaven, a million dollars. And he thought, wow, you can make a phone call to heaven for a million dollars right here. And uh, none of the other churches in that area had such a sign, had such an opportunity, but he's made his way across the nation visiting churches. He found uh, somewhere in the Midwest a sign under a telephone, again in a local church, that said, Calls to heaven, a quarter of a million dollars. thought, wow, only uh, $250,000. I can call heaven from here. Now, this is a little bit different than it was on the West Coast. He comes to Georgia and visits a local church in northeast Georgia. And that church has a telephone and has a plaque. Calls to heaven, 25 cents. So the gentleman approaches the pastor and said, that's just too good to be true. Can't believe that you would call heaven for 25 cents from right here in northeast Georgia. And the pastor explained to the gentleman, said, well, oh, that's easy, you don't understand. Right here, it's a local call. <laughs> well, a lot of us really believe we, we live in the promised land. Wouldn't we love to be able to call heaven? Or wouldn't we love to, to get a call from heaven? We'll be talking about the various calls. Wouldn't we love to receive a call from heaven? You ever expected a call before? I mean, a really important call before? Maybe it was a call from a potential date, ladies. By the way, gentlemen make the calls, not ladies, right? But maybe it was a, uh, a potential date. Tina gave up on waiting on me to call sometimes. She goes, that guy just doesn't ever pick up the phone uh, back in our dating days. But you ever waiting on a particular call? Maybe it's one of those calls where that particular teenager in your house, when the phone rings, they like trip over the furniture and knock everybody else down. I got it, I got it, I got it, because they've been waiting on that call. These young people are going, we don't even know what you're talking about because we all have our own cell phone now. From the time we turned eight years old, we didn't have to fight over the phone anymore. But when I was growing up, that was kind of the deal. Not only did you only have one phone per household, it seemed like in my earlier years, you only had one phone per neighborhood because there was this 
party line action going on, and you might pick up the phone and the neighbor's busy on the phone. So, you know, it kind of messes things up when you're waiting on that, that call. Maybe it's a call from your spouse. I remember uh, telling my wife that, you know, hey, we're going to uh, be calling home from a particular mission trip. Uh, the, the first mission trip I went on with a group from Trinity was uh, after coming here as pastor, or actually when I was a teen, as well as when I came back as pastor, was a trip to Haiti. And uh, I, I remember uh, having to use a satellite phone. We were standing there, and I remember before I called Tina, Harley Bartlett called Kim, and I said, Harley, and I know Kim wouldn't mind this, I said, Harley, you be sure to ask Kim, uh, Kim the score of the Georgia football game because Tina will get upset with me if I use our precious time to talk sports. And because <laughs> that's an important phone call, right? And I, I knew that Kim wouldn't be bothered about asking for the score. She would expect it. So important phone calls, important messages. We want to be sure we get that call, we receive that call when it comes in. Maybe it's from some kind of VIP. Uh, if you knew that the president was going to call at a certain time, you'd want to be there to receive that call. You would want to hear uh, that call. Some of you are going, yeah, I've got a few things I'd like to say, right? <laughs> you would want to be, if somebody important was going to call you, you'd want to be available. We're about to embark on a, a journey of learning to hear God's call, of anticipating God's voice, of hearing what he has to say to us. I believe that the church in the world today, as we look around, especially in our nation, we are strongly lacking in the sense of calling. That, that sense of calling that we have in our lives where it brings courage and, and it brings passion because we know that God has called us to something. There's a sense of responsibility. We, we live our lives in a way that communicates to everybody. We understand God's got a call on my life. And so we're going to take a journey through uh, various passages in scriptures to see what that call is all, uh, is all about. We often think of the call in terms of, well, that's the, the pastor in the church, the, the staff of the church. They may have a call of God on their lives. Or maybe that person who is called to be a missionary, they've got a calling on their lives. But do you realize that all of us have a call of God on our lives and all of us have more than one call on our lives. And we need to learn to listen, to hear the voice of God, to hear the call of God on our lives and respond to that call. So over the next couple of months, uh, you're going to hear about 10 sermons leading all the way up to uh, the, the first weekend of July. Uh, you're going to hear about, as we focus today, that first most important call that we receive from God, the Holy Spirit, through the Word of God. The, the first call that all of us have to respond to. We're going to talk about next week on Mother's Day, the call to family and the, the, the call that, mom, uh, that, that God has on mom and, and, and mothers and families. Uh, we'll look uh, the week after that, Pastor Ben is going to speak to our graduating seniors on discerning God's call and next step in their lives. We'll look at the call on the members of the body of Christ to a community of faith, the call to service, call on Father's Day. We'll look at a call to manhood. We will take time to look at the pastor's calling and job description in scriptures and the call to missions for the church and for individuals who may be specifically called as we commission uh, our students that are going out to do missions this summer and a call to citizenship. What does it mean that though we've got the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, we have a horizontal call 
to be good citizens in this world. So we'll be looking at this journey, the call of God, and learning to discern God's call on our lives. And I hope that it draws all of us more closely to Jesus than we've ever been before because we take seriously, every one of us, seriously our calling in Christ. So what better way to start than where we left off with our previous series on royalty? We ended with the fact that Jesus is coming again. And in Revelation chapter 22, as you read about that coming, it's in the context of the fact that the Lord Jesus is coming that we see that there's a call on our lives. In verse 12, Jesus has said, Look, I am coming quickly. My reward is with me to repay each person according to what he has done. So there's this good news, but also a warning. I'm coming quickly. The Lord is coming back. And then that's sandwiched. All of these last words of Christ before the Bible is closed. Sandwiched between verse 12 and verse 20, where Jesus says, Yes, I am coming quickly. John replies with his, Amen, or even so, come Lord Jesus. So we have an invitation in verse 17 to come. This invitation is what we might call a double entendre. At first, the invitation is not, first and foremost to us, the invitation actually from the Spirit and the Bride, is first to Jesus Himself. Yes, Lord, come. The Spirit and the Bride say, come, come, Lord Jesus, come back. We're looking for, we're anticipating your coming. But John also, I believe, as he's recording these words, when he gets to verse 17, and of course it wouldn't have been numbered, it would have been written uh, very fluidly, begins to point out that, hey, the invitation is not only for Jesus to return, but for us to come to Jesus so that when He comes, we'll be ready. And so this invitation, the Spirit and the Bride say, come, points not only to our desire for Jesus to come back, but points to the fact that we have a responsibility before God to invite people to come to faith in Christ. There's a There's an upward call as we cry out, Come, Lord Jesus. But there's that call to our fellow man. Come and be ready. Come and dine. Come and drink freely of the water of life. So that when He comes, you'll be ready. Verse 14 talks about that being ready. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter the city by the gates. So the cry to Jesus to come is also a cry to come to Jesus. Come home. Come home. The cry to Jesus to come is also a cry and a call to come home to Jesus. First of all, this morning, I want you to pay very careful attention to the source of the call in this text. What's what's the source of this call? What's the source of this cry? First to Christ, but then for others to come to Christ. He says it's the Spirit and the Bride that say come. Why? Well, it's because Christ has ascended. We've 
covered Matthew's gospel that ends with the ascension of Christ, but we know that according to the book of Acts, that the promise that Jesus gave that when he left, he would send the Holy Spirit, the very person of Christ, the omnipresence of Christ, Jesus everywhere, the Holy Spirit would come to live inside of us. And it's the Spirit who begins to speak. And it's also the bride, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, those who belong to Jesus Christ, the bridegroom. So his purpose, the very purpose and mission of Jesus Christ is accomplished, how? By the Spirit of God through the church, through the bride of Christ in this world today. They are longing for Christ to come. There's that upward cry, but we have a calling to sound on Christ's behalf. Come home to Jesus so that you can go home with Jesus. You see the message in the text? See how it transitions from from Lord Jesus come to us saying, come home to Jesus. Come drink freely of the water of life. Come home to Jesus so that one day you can go home to Jesus. That's where it's all going to start. And listen, if there's someone here this morning, you haven't come home to Jesus, you're going to miss the call to go home to Jesus one day. If there's someone here this morning, you would say, but I've put my faith and my trust in Jesus Christ, but I'm not living like I should be living. I'm not living according to that first call. Then all the other calls we're going to talk about are going to be rendered obsolete because we can't hear His voice in all the other callings unless we're walking in relationship with Him. So the first call is this morning for all of us to stop and evaluate where we are in our walk with Christ and answer this question, do we need to come home? I believe this morning there are many who are hearing me this morning that need to come home. You need to come home. Maybe it's because you've never come to faith in Christ and you're hearing in the words of the song that we just heard, ye who are weary, come home. But for others, I know that I've trusted Christ, but I'm not where I should be in my walk with Him. This morning, before we look at all the other callings, we need to hear the main and most important call, and that's to come home. Scripture tells us that the Spirit initiates, enables, and completes this call. So that's why the Spirit and the bride say, come. It's the Holy Spirit of God that initiates, enables, and completes this call. You say, where do you get that? John 6, 44. The, the Father is calling us by the Spirit, and the Bible says that no one can come to the Father unless the Spirit is drawing them. So it's the Spirit of God that begins to draw you, begins to knock at your heart's door to call you to the Father. In Titus 3.5, we see that we have been saved through the washing of rebirth and regeneration by the Holy Spirit. Yes, it's the blood of Christ that cleanses us from all sin, but when we put our faith in trust and what Christ did for us, it's the Spirit of God who comes in and appropriates the blood of Jesus Christ, bringing washing and regeneration to our hearts, making us a brand new person, making us clean before the Father, so that when the Spirit finishes His work of regeneration in us, when the Father looks at us, He sees us as He sees His Son, Jesus. Because the righteousness of Christ has been imputed into our lives by the Holy Spirit. So it's the Spirit who calls, He initiates that process. It's the Spirit who saves us through the washing of rebirth with the Word of God and the blood of Jesus Christ. 
And it's the Spirit who completes it. Ephesians 4.30 says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit by which you were sealed until the day of redemption. Meaning that when the Spirit of God came to live inside of you, the Spirit of God sealed you for the glory of God, for the purposes of Christ, until the day of redemption, until the day God calls you home. We come home to Jesus through the Holy Spirit so we can go home with Jesus one day. It's the Spirit and the Bride. The bride, again, the body of Christ. The great commission was given to the body of Christ. God could have just allowed the Holy Spirit to work apart from us, but that's not how God chose to work. He says, do you not know your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed? Or or, or by whom you received? You are not your own, you are bought with a price. So the Holy Spirit, and, and under the sovereign hand of Almighty God, has chosen to take the message of the gospel through me and you. And so it's the body of Christ that has to extend this invitation. Yes, the Spirit was sent to convict the world of sin, judgment, and righteousness, so the Holy Spirit begins to convict people of sin, but you're and you are and I am the ones who are called of God to give the message. The Spirit and the Bride say, Come, the Bride, the Bride of Christ, are giving the message. Come, Lord Jesus, and, and to everybody else, come to Jesus. It's our responsibility. Romans chapter 10. Verse 13 says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Saved. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But it goes on, and we we always point that out, but it, it goes on to say, but how can they call on the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear unless there's a proclaimer? And how will they proclaim unless they're sent? And so the responsibility is handed back to the church to take the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news, and tell everyone, ye who are weary, come home. Come home to Jesus so that you can go home and be with Jesus one day. See the significance, again, of that that double entendre that we see there. Yes, come home, but yes, come home. We are a voice to Christ, but we are also, listen to this, we're a voice of Christ. We're Christians, Christ ones. We, We are not to have a Messiah complex, we're not Jesus himself, but we are his, and we are to be his voice in this world today, pleading with people to come home. So the call is coming to you this morning, and the call is to go out from you this morning, come home to Jesus. You know, I was mentioning the fact that it seems like so many young people have cell phones these days. You know, there's one thing, one thing that we're kind of missing in our culture. There's one thing we're missing in this generation because all the kids have cell phones. You're like, what is it? Time with family, time with friends, we're all texting one another. That's what I'm talking about. There's something that we're missing, especially if you grew up on a cul-de-sac like I did. You're listening to what I might call mama's cul-de-sac call. Because when mom wants you to come home today, what, what does she do, young people? She sends you a text message, right? Come home. Time for you to come home now. You know what my mom used to do? What some of your moms used to do? She'd walk out on the back porch. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. She'd cup her hands like this. And because Toby and I were probably three yards down playing football somewhere. Robbie! And it just went on and on. Toby! 
come home, or usually if she really wanted us to get there quick, come eat. Supper time. And not only would we come home, you know, it would be like one more touchdown, one more, we got to score one, oh, wait a minute, dinner time. We got to go. We would hear that call to come home, and not only would we hear it, we would extend it. Because what mamas didn't always know, well, they probably know this now, but what mamas didn't always know is the guys would begin to look at each other and go, what are y'all having for dinner? I mean, I think we're having pork chops and uh, fried okra, and I'm making some of you hungry. Well, well, I don't know, at our house we're having meatloaf and all that. All right, well, you ask your mom, I'm going to go home to my house, you go home to your house, and I'm, you know. And so at my house we often brought friends in. You know, they... they House was always full of other kids from the neighborhood, if you know what I'm talking about. So we miss that call sometimes. Listen, have you ever um, embraced somebody's call to come? Have you ever heard that voice and they were like, it's time to come and you couldn't wait to get there? We need to be extending that to our friends. We need to be saying, look, I know what our Lord has in store. Jesus is calling. Can you hear his voice? He's saying, come home at supper time. God has some good things in store, and it's a lot better than anything you could ever experience. And we just need to leave what we're doing, and we need to come and get involved in what God has for us. Have you embraced that call? And have you embraced the call to call? Are you inviting friends and say, hey, listen, you want to be a part of it? We need to come home, and we need to bring some friends with us. We need to bring some friends with us. So I want us to see the source of the call, the Spirit and the Bride in this text. And that leads us to the supply of the call. The supply of the call. You ever been called or invited to come be a part of something? You said, that would be great if I could afford it. <laughs> that would be awesome. Appreciate the call. Yeah, I'd love to come. Love to be a part of that trip, but uh, can't afford it. Well, here's the good news. God has made provision. He has provided the supply for the call. We are called, all of us called to come home. But he says, here's the cost. Come drink freely. The Holman says, receive the water of life as a gift. As a gift. Come and drink freely. It's a free gift. It's, we're not just looking at who provided the call, but who provided what? It is we are being called to an eternal relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. So he says, drink freely. Someone, someone has already paid the price for the call to come home. Some of us are thinking, I believe God's calling me home. I need to get back in right. It's going to cost me something. Listen, it cost Jesus everything, and He paid the price for me and for you to just simply come home to Him. Cost him his life. It's the grace of God that made the provision. Grace, God's unmerited favor. We can't earn it. We don't deserve it. But Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, most of you can quote, For by grace are you saved through faith. That's not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. Not by works, lest we would all go around bragging about it, right? Well, I was good enough. I got invited. But I got invited to heaven. Don't you wish you would have got invited to heaven? Don't you wish you would have had an invitation to be a part of this whole Wonderful thing called heaven. Hey, what about the abundant life? I'm glad I got in on it. I'm part of the club. Don't you wish you had gotten that invitation? That whosoever will 
drink freely. 1 Peter 3.18, Christ died once for sins, the just for the unjust, that He might bring us to God. Jesus went to the cross to bring you home. Jesus went to the cross so you could come home to Him. Might have throughout the whole series on royalty, you might have said, royalty, I don't feel like royalty. As a matter of fact, I have royally messed things up. <laughs> I have royally made a mess of everything. And pastor, if you knew what I had done, if you knew the thoughts of my heart, if you knew the actions, if you knew what some other people even know about me, you wouldn't be saying I'm part of this invitation. Listen, my Bible says it's by grace. We, none of us, earned or deserved it. Romans 5.8 says God demonstrated His love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In Revelation chapter 5, when it shows the, the saints, Old and New Testament saints, I believe in that picture, and they're standing around the throne, they're worshiping, they're wondering if there's anyone that's going to be worthy to, to bring about the consummation of the ages, and they see the only one who is, and He was the Lamb of God who was slain before the foundation of the world, Jesus Christ. We're not a part of the kingdom there or here because of what we do, but because of what Jesus did for us. The fact that He died in our place. So the invitation of grace may also be this morning, not only to those who have never come to faith in Christ, but also to those who have come but are experiencing the prodigal life. You've kind of slipped away. You've gotten away. You've kind of said, Lord, I'm going to take my ball and go home. Listen to these words, if that's where you are this morning. Listen to these words out of Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. It says, you foolish Galatians, who has hypnotized you? The uh, New King James says, bewitched. <laughs> who has bewitched you? Who, who has hypnotized you? Before whose eyes Jesus was vividly portrayed as crucified. Who's tricked you? Even though you know that you know that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, somebody's come in and tricked you. He says, I only want to learn this from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? <laughs> Most of us would have to respond to this part. Uh-huh. Are you so foolish after beginning with the Spirit? Are you now going to be made complete by the flesh? Some of you are saying, you know what? I started this, this grace-faith relationship, and I'm glad that got me kind of in the door. I'm glad I got a foot in the kingdom. But now you're trying to live according to the flesh, and you realize the flesh can't accomplish anything but sin and frustration. And he's calling you back this morning saying, who's tricked you? Who's bewitched you? Who's told you you can try to live in your own strength, by your own power, do your own thing, and be happy? You're miserable, and you know it. Get back to living by the same way you were saved, by grace, through faith in Christ alone. Are you like the prodigal son? Remember the story? He said, I'm going to take my ball and go home. Actually, he said, I'm going to take my ball and leave home. Father, give me what I got coming. I'm going to do my own thing, and I'm going to do it my way. I don't need the Father's authority in my life. And, and he goes, and he gets caught up in, in all the things that feed the flesh, all the pleasures of this world. And by the way, I wouldn't dare tell you that, that sin isn't pleasurable. The Bible says that there are pleasures in sin for a season, in Hebrews, it says Moses chose to suffer with the people of God rather than to enjoy the sinful pleasures of sin or the pleasures of sin for a season, a short time. It's fun for a while, but 
Proverbs is true when it says in 14.12, there's a way that seems right to a man, but it leads to what? Death. There's a, there's a way that seems right. It seems fun. This is going to be okay. I'm going to get away from God. I'm just going to chill. I'm, I'm, going, I'm going to just kind of take a vacation from the things of God for a while. I'll be back. Everything will be okay. And you find yourself miserable spiritually. But where did he end up? It was all over with. He was eating slop out of the hog trough with the pigs. He said, you know what? I was foolish to leave. He came to his senses, the Bible says. He says, I will go home. I'll go home. I'll go back to my father and tell him, just make me one of his servants because I'd still be better off as just a servant than where I am now. You know what happened. The father was looking for him. The father was looking for him. You know, how do we know that? The Bible says when the father saw him afar off, the father was looking for him. So when he came home, the father treated him like royalty. And I believe God is looking for you and He's looking for me to just simply say, I'm coming home. I'm coming home. And and, and the Father's looking for you and He wants to treat you like royalty, not beat you over the head. Are you in the pig pen of lust, addictions, apathy, spiritual laziness, rebellion against God, rebellion against parents, self-centered, saying, what about me? I believe if that's the case, there's a small, still voice of God this morning. It's the Holy Spirit saying, don't delay. Come home. Come home. Why do we make it so complicated? We we act as if, you know what, when I get all these things in order, then then I'm going to come back home to Jesus. But it only takes a second right where we are this morning to say, I'm coming home. That's it, I'm coming home. Don't wait till you get everything straightened out. That's why he says you, you were hypnotized, you were bewitched. You can't straighten it all out. Come home and let him fix it. Come home and let him make it right. It says, whosoever will. In, in theological discussions, I, I get together with some friends of mine, and I like to argue over uh, something called limited atonement. It's the atonement of Christ limited. Or is it available for everyone? And, and my answer to that is always yes. <laughs> The, the atonement, Jesus Christ died for whosoever will. Anybody can come to faith in Christ. The atonement is limited, yes, in application to whosoever will, but it's available to everyone because of whosoever will. Some friends will say to me, oh, but if it's available for everyone and everyone doesn't come to faith in Christ, then that's, that's wasted love. It's never wasted. It's like saying, Jesus wasted his breath by speaking into the life of Judas Iscariot. Nothing was wasted. The testimony, a powerful testimony of God's vulnerable love. Love is vulnerable. 1 John 2, 2 says, He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only ours, but for the sins of the world. Doesn't mean everybody in the world is going to be saved, but the power of the blood of Jesus Christ is strong enough to save anybody and everybody in the world who would ever come to faith in him. According to Revelation chapter 7 and verse 14, chapter 22, verse 14, we looked at a little bit earlier. It's only applied to those who are, whose robes are washed white, who come, who respond to the invitation to come home and experience salvation. Why would he die for you? Why would he die for me? Because he so loves us and wants us to come home. 
Finally, I want you to see the satisfaction of the call. Lest anybody be sitting here this morning thinking, hey, you, you want me to lay down my good time? Some of you are already like, I've learned, sin's pleasure before season. It's not fun anymore. Addiction, entrapment, enslave, enslave, being enslaved to this sin. This is not fun anymore. Nobody's enjoying this anymore, but some of you are still thinking, hey, wait a minute, i got a few things I don't want to let go of. I want you to see the satisfaction of the call. He says, come drink freely of the water of life. I've got something that satisfies. Listen, there is a thirst that only water can satisfy. There is a spiritual thirst that only the living water can satisfy. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Jesus is the life-giving water. I like what he does in John chapter 4 when he approaches this woman at the well and he's asking her for a drink. And she gets into a conversation about every, the social etiquette of the moment there. And he says, listen, if you knew who it was asking you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water, spiritual life that would come uh, alive inside of you and overflow into eternal life. There would be such an abundance of it that it wouldn't just be this side of heaven. It would last forever. If you would have known who it was you were talking to, you would have asked me for that and I would have given it to you. Later on, she does receive it. What does she do? Not only does she come home, she goes and tells all her friends and family they need to come hear a man that told her everything that she had ever done. In John chapter 10 and verse 10, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus said, but I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. If you're looking for purpose, if you're looking for meaning, if you're looking for fulfillment and everything else has let you down, hear the voice of God this morning, come home. Come home. I've noticed something lately. I really haven't gotten into this, but I've certainly noticed that it's permeated our culture, at least in America today. And that is an infatuation with zombies. Our nation has become so infatuated with zombies. I think it was vampires first, but now it's all of a sudden zombies. I mean, Hollywood's flocking to Georgia to film these zombie movies and... um, I, I, you know, I just personally, I just can't get into it. You know, that stuff used to scare me and, you know, stay at home uh, when I was a kid up past my bedtime and parents asleep and you find, uh, you know, you get five channels and you find movie macabre and, and zombies are eating people and you're like, man, what, what in the world am I doing watching this stuff? Zombies eating people. I looked up the definition of zombie and what I found was a zombie is a soulless corpse revived by witchcraft. A soulless corpse revived by witchcraft. Walking around in misery without life or purpose. Most point out that zombies become cannibals. That's why people fear them. And regardless of how fast somebody runs from a slow zombie, the zombie's always close to them and about to get them. I hadn't figured that one out either. Man, if I could run as fast as Ethan South and the zombie was as slow as me. Zombie's still going to catch me, right? It's the way it works in the movie. Zombies. Seems like the world is walking around like zombies to me. Doesn't the world's walking around like zombies, looking for something to satisfy. Truth of the matter is, they're not soulless, they're just dead. Ephesians says they're dead in trespasses and sins. Looking to fulfill fleshly appetites. <laughs> Walking around like zombies, never satisfied. Maybe it's that we're after 
for young ladies, the eyes of the guys, or, or for, for young men, the lust of the flesh. For adults, maybe it's the, the pride of life, and we're, we're trying to satisfy this flesh, and it's never satisfied. We're empty on the inside, not soulless, just dead, just spiritually dead. God wants us to come home so He can make us alive. Jesus is calling, quit wallowing in death. Quit wallowing in death, you'll never be satisfied. John chapter 7, verse 37, at the Feast of the Tabernacles, where it would have been a loud, exciting day, and the the priest would have marched to give that drink offering. He would have had that picture of water, and the, and the, the city would have been buzzing there in Jerusalem in the midst of this great time of, of feast, this, this wonderful festival. The city would have been buzzing, but when the priest gets in and he's ready to pour the drink offering, everybody would have got real quiet. After chanting and chanting and, and cheering and cheering, they would have all of a sudden got quiet, just ready to pour the water. And that would have probably been at the moment that Jesus cried out in John chapter 7, Is anybody thirsty? Let them come. Let them come to me and drink. John points out that that's what he's saying. That's what the Spirit and the Bride are saying at the end of Revelation. Still, let them come. Drink freely. The only thing that will satisfy. Sin doesn't satisfy. It's like the pursuit of those zombies. It'll never satisfy. But Jesus will always satisfy. See, it begins with this call, but when you come home, here's the wonderful news. There are other calls still to come. And some of us need to learn how to hear those other calls so that we don't let the first call grow stale. So we'll get into that. But this morning, my question is simply, have you responded to that first and most important call to come home? Would you bow your heads with me this morning?